Thank you for tuning into the Monocle Dynasty Podcast, where we keep an eye on Dynasty football. Your hosts, Crescent and John, dive deep on players, rankings, strategies, and much more. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Monocle Dynasty. And now, here's your host. All right, welcome back to the Contender Connection live stream. What we learned in week nine. Um, you know, we went back and listened to the, what we learned from week eight, and there were some good points in there. Uh, Nubs had some great points on some players. Joined once again by Timmy. I uh, I got started a little bit late today. <laughs> I got home from work a little late. And so we're going to try and fit this in before football. We're, we're so good at fitting, <laughs> like squeezing things in and, and, you know, getting in before football. I don't think we've actually done it once yet, but we're this time it's going to happen. How dare life get in the way where you have to start late? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't don't they know I have fantasy football to talk about? Uh, you know, like all these people wanting to pay me to you know provide services for them, and meanwhile, I just want to go talk to you know people about fantasy football. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> James uh, James is not a fan of uh, of what happened last night, and I can I can agree with them here. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think I would go that far, but. I can definitely understand being upset about the game last night because there was a lot of people tilting, whether you're Evans fan, Goblin fan, AB fan. I mean, you know, not that you could have expected too much from him, but obviously a fan of either of the running backs. Uh, we'll get there, James. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, but, all right, so we're going to jump right in to the uh, Falcons and the Broncos. And it... Uh, Basically, Drew Locke forgets how to play football until the fourth quarter. Like that's what I've come to figure out. And basically, I don't know. It's like a, a literal like switch flips, and we've seen it. We've seen it before with, with certain players, or maybe it's just like they need that like fast pace, that like two minute drill kind of atmosphere, garbage time. We even see it with Deshaun Watson sometimes, where like he's not exactly the best, and then all of a sudden they get into that two minute drill kind of mindset, and I'll, he's like a different player. And maybe they just need to do a little bit more of that with uh, with Locke. But kind of going hand-in-hand hand with that, you know, Jerry Judy has 24 targets over the last two weeks. But he has a 45.8% catch rate in those two weeks. Thank you for and, bringing this up. Thank you for bringing this up. <laughs> um, I don't really know. It, before this week, it's kind of seemed to be a little bit of both, like Locke or like the QB play and and Judy's play. This week it seemed like Judy was playing a little bit better, but like if Locke can't get him the ball or you know what whatever it is, like I, I haven't gone in and like watched the film enough to know for sure who it is. But regardless of whose fault it is, if you can't catch the ball more than forty five percent of the time, it's not going to be great for fantasy. Yeah, I, when I rewatched this game, uh, the one of the things that really stuck out to me, okay. I was a, a a pretty big Judy supporter, and I'm not saying I've gotten off of him at all because he's been producing. But I always I thought he was the most intelligent receiver coming into the draft in terms of the the upper tier ones. I'm not talking about all, every single one. I don't know what every single person uh, scored on a test or something <laughs> like that. But in, in football intelligence, he he knows how to uh, he understands leverage with his his cornerbacks. Uh, he knows how to attack them, how to not give up too much information about his router when the ball's coming. But he does not seem to have strong hands. Uh, later in the in the mm-hmm. game on one of the final drives, there was a ball that it was a was a tough ball, but it was a ball he brought in, but he didn't complete the 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 process of the catch or, or the ball kind of got away from him. But 
those are things that are concerning for me because we're seeing this offense right now. And going back to Locke a little bit, you watch the first half and you're kind of like, man, this team's kind of a skeleton on offense. But then when they actually start clicking, you're like, wow, they got, you know, they got Judy, Tim Patrick's coming on, Fant, uh, Albert yeah. O before he got hurt. You know, Lindsey does some nice things, Melvin Gordon. But then there will be times where it's just complete nothingness. And so that's a little bit concerning if when they actually get the ball to their key contributors that they can't catch it and they can't sustain drives and they can't score points. That's something to really be concerned about. Yeah, and I mean, I know Patrick wasn't 100% healthy in this game, and, you know, it kind of showed, but, you, you know, when he touchdown. is fully... Yeah, he, he did, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, he only had, I think he had, like, seven targets and 29 yards, you know, not, yeah. not too many catches. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing, you know, he doesn't have a high catch rate either, but, like, we've seen the, a little bit of a connection there, so I'm, I'm just wondering if Judy goes back to not you know, not necessarily being that like one when Patrick is healthy, obviously like there's a lot to play and he's a rookie and it takes time. So, I mean, it's just, it's something to keep in mind. Like 24 targets is very nice, but that catch rate leaves something to be desired for sure. Well, and when Sutton comes back, just something to look at next year. If, if yep. Patrick keeps developing, which he could have had another touch on this game, just FY. Um, but does, uh, does Judy go in the slot? Is that something where he's going to be naturally, um, transitioned into that because with Sutton on the outside or whatnot, or is Sutton shifty enough to you know to have some some uh, slot snaps? We'll see. I think I think it's kind of easy to to forget about Sutton because he you know he was gone so early in the season, but you know he will be a factor there. And you know I'm I'm guessing or I'm assuming that Patrick would be the one that would get hurt there. But like you said, I mean Patrick has played pretty well, so. If he continues playing well, then you know, are we going to see like a three-way split, three, you know, three-headed uh, uh, wide receiver core? And he very well could. And that's what Locke needs. Locke needs as many offensive weapons as as he as he can get. So, um, not great. But as long as he keeps putting up forty-plus targets a week, then you know, like that's going to be good for fantasy. I mean, even with the forty-five percent catch rate, you know, if you get twenty-four targets, if you're getting fourteen targets a game, twelve targets a game, you know, you're you're going to catch almost six of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and last question before we move on is Fant made of glass. I don't know. I mean, it kind of reminds me of uh Leonard Fournette in his rookie season, you know, when he had the, the ankle mm-hmm. and just like, it was something he could play through, but he would come off the field. He would limp off the field and, and stuff like that. It, it's just kind of reminding me of that. And unfortunately it's one of those things that the only way to fix it is to rest. And he's clearly not resting enough. And so, Unless he, unless he, you know, unless he takes some games <laughs> off, then yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to like. It's one season. He's a rookie or, or second season. But I mean, I, I don't want to like go too far into it because we've seen what happens when the guys do get healthy, and then all of a sudden they're completely different players. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the ball, I don't think there was too much to take away from the Falcons besides like. Olamide Zacchaeus, however you say his name, uh, is is clearly the backup whenever a stud is out. So, like, when mm-hmm. a stud goes out, like, you know, obviously Julio was out the first couple weeks or, you know, however long he was out, then Ridley was out. He seems to take that spot, regardless of who it is. But yet, when both of the studs are there, he kind of goes away. And it's really weird because it seems like he's he should have earned a spot in like the actual offense, maybe over gauge. I know they kind of play, you know, obviously they play a different uh, part of the field, but I just, it just feels like he should be out there as well. And yet we've seen that when both of the studs are out there, he's not, at least not as much. I think you answered it where gauge 
I think Gage actually has a lot of potential upside for him to develop in his game even further, but I think Gage runs the complimentary complimentary routes for when the other um, when the studs are in, where Zacchaeus can offer more of a an ability to um, kind of beast if he needs to, if that makes any sort mm. of sense. Now there was a really poor ball thrown by Ryan where Zacchaeus could have had even another pretty decent play. Yeah. Um, so I would think maybe they're still even getting used to even ball placement with him too. Maybe that could be an issue where they're still working that out. Yeah. It's just like, it, like I said, it, it kind of seems like he's earned more and yet he kind of disappears at times. Mm-hmm. So um, something to keep an eye on uh, definitely would have him on the back end of rosters uh, just in case. And obviously we have no idea what's going to happen with Ridley uh, Julio going on in the future. So, you know, it's probably going to be more of a future play, but we've also seen that, you know, he can be kind of like a fill in at times, but only really when one of those studs is out. Hi, Brian Hill. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Brian Hill. Um, yeah, actually that's my next point. Gurley has nothing left. Like we've, we've been saying it week after week after week. Yeah. yeah he keeps falling into the end zone somehow, but I mean, and once again, yards per carry is not like the end-all, be-all or anything like that. But, I mean, when you're consistently getting 2.5, 2.7, 2.8 yards per carry, like either A, your offensive line is just god-awful, or B, you're god-awful. <laughs> and, I mean, for, for them to put up as many points as they did to you know be producing so much on offense as they were, and for him to just be putting up the same crap yardage and, and everything and just fall into the end zone right at the end of the game, just... I will say he. Um, I'm, I'm actually. I'm wondering if because of the way he's played, they have the buy up coming up. Do you think they make a change? Because obviously they're not going anywhere this year. Like they have the Bucks, they have the the Saints in their own division. They're not doing anything this year, even if they could have possibly made the playoffs somehow. It's not going to happen. But you know, maybe I'm not saying Brian Hill's the future. I'm not saying Edith Smith is the future. But I mean, do you think they start to try to like work things out? Like, what are we going to do next year? And Gurley's not going to be a part of that, you know. I'm uh, I, with the expanded playoff uh, bracket. I'm still holding out on because okay, I I was one of the first people off saying that move Gurley because you don't know what's going to be if they're going to even just shift off of him one week, right? But with them winning the last two weeks, I think I think they're going to want to just do a little bit of a wait and see because they had leads in games that they gave away to see if they if you know if they can get to some sort of competitive record that could sneak them into the playoffs. So I, I think they're just going to play whatever they think is the best element that gets them to win, which could act, end up actually still being switching to Hill because Hill just, he just looks better like on his runs. You know, it, it just it looks like he brings more juice to the offense, which when then you're, you become more of a threat. It, it helps the passing game, obviously, and they will open up under uh, underneath pieces for, for Hurst when he runs there. So, I, I don't think there's any sort of plan, but I won't be surprised either way if they end up taking a lot more load away from Gurley and giving it to Hill. It just it seems like with the coaching change, they haven't really had a lot of time, and it's obviously it's an interim interim head coach, so like it's not like they're going to make massive changes. I don't mm-hmm. think, but they really didn't have a lot of time to make any changes. But now that they have a bye week, you know, it's it's possible. I'm mm-hmm. not saying they're going away from Gurley, and it's not even like Brian Hill's been that much better. Um, but he has been slightly better. You know? I think he's been. I think he's visually better too. Like you can see it. Yeah. Like yeah. It, there, there might be one good girly run a game, and there's at least some sort of explosion, some sort of spike in in 
I would say in your your ability to see things when he's actually playing and you know getting some sort of hold on the ball. Now he didn't do anything this week when he had like three points, but still yeah. that workload, like you said, can change in an instant. Well, I mean, Gurley would have had about five points if he hadn't scored that late touchdown. So yeah. it wouldn't have been that much of a difference, even yeah. though he had, you know, quite a few more touches. Um, we've talked about the Falcons enough. Yeah. <laughs> the the uh, Seahawks and the Bills were the next one. And I think the dream of Devin Singletary is dead. Uh, you know, for anyone that had it, it was never really me. I was never really a big fan of his. But I know some people were getting pretty hyped on him in the offseason. Obviously, Moss being a rookie and then getting hurt and everything kind of like helped or helped him continue to have a little bit of a Devin Singletary season, but it seems like that season is uh, six feet under at this point. <laughs> I was I was a big believer because when they played uh, the Texans last year, I thought they finally used Singletary the way they were supposed to. He was getting yep. he was getting targets in the in the receiving game. He was getting carries, but he was getting the right kind of carries. But I actually think that John Brown might be the key to this offense. When John Brown, I was actually back, thinking the same exact thing. That's when, funny. I didn't, yeah. I didn't write it down, but I was definitely thinking it though. When he's back, though, like they, they just seem to be way more on schedule. The receivers seem to. Well, it's so hard because Seattle's defense is so bad, and Brown's That's why I didn't write it down. Two, weeks, <laughs> two or two weeks, but like I think that he brings something that it's almost like a security blanket type of feel for Allen. Like he knows he's always got Brown, so he can at least yeah. look to take more shots, even if he doesn't actually throw them. So I think that's an, an important thing to look at. Yeah, I agree. I, I think if you're looking to 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 rely on Singletary, that's a bad move. And I, I think he's lost a lot of the value that would be even – people would even look at him as going into the season or even ending mid, mid to last part of the year yet, last year. Can't talk today. <laughs> Me neither. Um, I, but we, we kind of already knew that Singletary was dead. But like at the same time, we were saying like no one really has a hold of that backfield, and I don't want to start anyone. But mm-hmm. now, I think you can at least say like you would you would start Moss. But he scores like, touchdowns. Yeah, I mean he's scoring touchdowns. He's mm-hmm. not doing much else. But I mean at least he's producing. He's mm-hmm. I mean at the very at the very least he's Todd Gurley. <laughs> um, for much cheaper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For for much cheaper and. Uh, and he actually looks better. He's just not getting a lot of touches, you know. Um, and kind of like what you're talking about, like Josh Allen looked the best I think he's looked all year. And that's saying something because I'm not a big Josh Allen fan. But at the same time, like Seahawks D. Uh, I'm not going to like, I'm not counting it against him, obviously. Like he did what he was supposed to do. But I'm definitely not like saying, that. oh, yeah, he's right back in the MVP talks. Like, let me see it against a real defense. You know? No, I did wear the Josh the Josh Allen sweat- sweater today. Nice. <laughs> I like it. That's like for, that's it. for spaceman. Spaceman always wants me to wear this thing when I I, I send him a picture of it. So <laughs> I forgot you. I forgot you had that thing. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Omega loves it. <laughs> um, on the other side of the ball, I really didn't have a lot to take away from like the Seahawks. Ex- Except for, you know, like, obviously Wilson didn't look as good as he has, but, like, it's one game. He's looked so good this year. Like, I'm not going to count one game against him. Um, I know the Bills' defense hasn't exactly been, like, as good as it was in the past, but, like, it's still the Bills' defense. And, uh, like, DJ Dallas isn't really, like, anything exciting, but if Carson and Hyde are out, then I'm still going to start him just because obviously we know they get to the end zone. Like they get to the red zone and he can just fall in for a touchdown at that point. It's so sad that we're at this point in the, in the season where 
we're basically just like waiting or like we're basically just saying like start this guy because he could literally just fall into the end zone like he's Welcome not good at anything you. else yeah Welcome exactly. to 2020. uh <laughs> I, I will say this there were two things that i i, I pulled from this uh just mm-hmm. when watching the game uh when they are down or when they're in a pressure situation it is definitely dk's team russell yeah. there are so many times russell doesn't even look at Lockett. Which could put in a favor on film study if a team relies too much on that tendency and they they kind of shade coverage the wrong way and then one play they forget about Lockett and he scores. But consistently though, on a more predictable basis, I truly believe that this that DK is is obviously the number one, which people believed already. But especially in crunch time, he's going DK's way every single time. At least that's that's going to be the first read. It's hard to argue it, and I, but I, I, I really do wish that they could get into like a rhythm where they could both produce, and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be one produces this week and the other one produces that week and everything. But obviously, I mean, we've seen like DK while he's not getting like amazing targets each week, he's getting more targets each week than than Lockett is. At least you know, obviously besides the twenty target game, but you know, like beyond that, it's it's been you know mostly Metcalf getting eight nine targets to Lockett's six seven like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So now, obviously, we we all know that Lockett has a higher catch rate, like a much higher catch rate. Um, now that hasn't really like played out as much this this season because Russ has been cooking; and he's been getting the ball right into DK's hands. But uh, but like you said, you can't deny the fact that he's going to DK, and DK actually looked not that like obviously he's 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 been great this year, but DK actually looked like a like true receiver this week to me. Like he was making plays. It wasn't just like, oh, this guy fell down or something like that. And I'm not saying every play he's had in the past was like that, but but you know, like that play in the end zone, you know, where he actually like boxed out a defender. Like that was like a legit wide receiver play. Like that was something that he should be doing all the time. And I really haven't truly seen that from him. But like if he can get that into the into his game, then he could easily be the like the wide receiver one that people want him to be. I don't Absolutely. think he's quite there yet, but like he he really showed me that ability this week, and I haven't like truly seen it yet. No, I just want to be transparent. Lockett does have a ten percent drop rate this year, so just so we know that he has had some drops. But um, yeah, DK DK has a chance to beast where one on one in the red zone. It, there's no chance, especially when he's not outside and he's he's somewhat running some sort of seam route or even if it's in five, six yards of the end zone, he gets mm. in there, he, he able is able to shade or, or own one side and Russell's going to be able to hit him every time. So he should be getting a bunch of easy touchdowns a lot of the time. I wonder if they count drops, like, like the drop, the drop that he had uh, this week in the end zone where like, it was, it was such yeah. a difficult pass, like such a difficult catch. Like anyone else would have been like, Oh my God, I can't believe, or like, he had no chance of catching that, but with Lockett, you're like, oh man, he could have caught that. Mm-hmm. And then, like, do they count that as a drop? Because if they do, <laughs> I'm not a fan of that 10. percent Yeah, that I, you you know, it was just a very tough play. So, no, I and the the sad part is, I really I was like, oh cool, Lockett's gonna catch touchdown, like awesome, like 40 yard touchdown, whatever it was, and uh, and then he didn't he didn't catch it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I was, that's weird. <laughs> I'm not used to that. <laughs> Um, all right. So the Ravens and the Colts, we've been talking about this one in the group chat all day long. Uh, I don't know how many times I can say it. Like, you know, my thoughts on Lamar, but even beyond Lamar, like the Ravens offense is just broken. Something's not right. 
And the the worst part is they already had their buy. Like they recently had their buy. They didn't make any changes besides like Mark Ingram's hurt. Like that's the only change that they made was Mark Ingram is hurt. And we kind of saw like a glimmer of hope with like them doing the RPO at the end of the game two weeks ago uh, with uh, with Dobbins, but they didn't do any of that. And obviously like Dobbins didn't look as amazing or as explosive this week. They, you know, we know the Colts defense is, is good, but just, I don't know. Something's not right. Now, luckily their defense is good enough that it doesn't really matter. Uh, obviously like they keep winning, but, <laughs> um, I feel like in the playoffs and like when it, when it counts, when it matters, like which we've seen in the past, but in the playoffs, they're going to need to do more than just be like, Oh, you know, like let's just pass it 150 yards a, a game. And, you know, run for 80 yards or something like that. I, uh, when I rewatched this game, I've come to the conclusion that there, there are two possibilities in my head about this Ravens offense. Either they need to fix it or they're saving a lot. That they haven't, they haven't shown yet because I feel like they, they really have lacked in opening up the playbook and in, uh, in games that they think that they're going to win. Something I, I wish I would see more that they had more success last year was getting their running backs outside. Just, any if it's a if it's a pass if it's an outside run things up the sideline mm. or things just outside the tackle really seemed to be more successful last year now i don't know if that's just because ingram had a really special year or if there's actual actually some sort of other issue both of these teams the colts and the the the, the ravens are very well coached now there are certain aspects where you know you'd like a, a quarterback in rivers that isn't completely afraid of any bit of pressure at his legs because that completely shuts down the offense, but yeah. they're they're they were both very solid uh, competitors this week. It was just that the Ravens were more effective in their game planning. So I wouldn't, I don't want to like write anything off or take too much away because it's just you're looking at two really solid teams playing each other this week. But I want to see more of this out of this Ravens offense because I think one we deserve more Hollywood Brown. I just think we, we do like as as fans and as viewers of of the of the games, but yeah, they're not gonna they're not gonna do certain things in the playoffs unless their defense continuously is able to produce a turnover, which they've done a lot. But you know, if the faucet shuts off one week, they could be out, and then you're you're questioning again what happened to this team this year. Exactly, and I know you know obviously they they lost. Um a pretty big piece on their O-line and that doesn't help anything. But, you know, I think it's one of those things where, you know, the, the pass game from Lamar was working last year because the run game was working. And obviously the majority of the run game was him, but there was also Ingram and even Edwards last year. And then this year, it just seems like now, obviously like we have kind of seen at least from his numbers that Ingram's basically washed at this point, but we know what Edwards and Dobbins can do. And we've seen what they can do. And yet, like, they don't really, they're not doing enough to open up. And it's weird because usually you say you have to, like, get the pass game going to, to to get the run game going. But I feel like in this situation, like, their defense is good enough. If they just kind of Derrick Henry it and just hand the ball off over and over. Now, you can't just run straight up the middle. But if they, you know, do a little trickery and make some outside moves and stuff, you know, like, they can make that work. And then next thing you know, play action, Marquise Brown. Mark Andrews, whoever, and it works. And that's what they need to get back to. And But that's what I'm saying. Like, I really feel like their offense is truly broken right now. And I just don't think they know what they want to be because maybe they were expecting Lamar to take another step and it didn't happen. Uh, but I also, like I said, I, I kind of feel like 
they should have fixed it in the bye week and they didn't. So I don't know what's going to change, if anything. Uh, all I know is I don't really want to trust <laughs> hardly anyone. And I, I thought we were getting to the point of being able to trust Dobbins. And I don't even think we can say that right now. Once again, the Colts defense is good, uh, especially the run defense is really good. Uh, so I don't want to take too much away from it, but they're just not getting the touches right now. Yeah, and as, as you said before, Dobbins didn't look special this week. Even like some of his his option runs, they weren't they weren't explosive like we've seen before, or, mm. or dripping with athleticism. But he's also was getting hit, hit in the backfield on other other runs too. So yeah. I think I think actually a good mix of of both the backs is beneficial as long as the play designs aren't predictable based on where they run which could right. really hurt. So the more I think that you uh, – because I'm a, I'm a believer that they need to open up the passing game, which I'm not saying that doesn't come off the run. But the more that they do the same thing, the the less the – more, the more the areas around the line of scrimmage are going to get crowded, and it's not it's not going to be pretty then. So whatever they I'd do, love to see they, they got to make a change. It's got to work. I'd love to see him have, like, the dual running back backfield with Edwards and, and Dobbins, one on each side. Yeah, and just yeah, just go right like right at them. You have no idea if it's going to be Lamar, you know, if it's going to be Edwards, if it's going to be Dobbins. I would love to see that, but you know, they they haven't really pulled that one out yet. <laughs> Andrew slips slips his block Hollywood down the sideline on one on one when they bring so the safety. They they just they need to do something different. Um, speaking of Andrews, like Nick Boyle actually ran more routes this week than Andrews, and I I'm not saying this is like indicative of Andrews' talent or anything like that, but I think it's because they they lost Stanley. And they need Boyle in there to block. And so, of course, like you said, they don't want to show their hand. So, of course, he's going to run routes and, you know, he's going to be he's going to be out there. But just the fact that he actually did that was very close. It was like 60 percent to 57 percent. So I'm not saying it was like this huge difference, but we also saw Boyle get more yardage. Uh, I think he actually had one less target than than Andrews, but still he had more yardage and uh, and more catches. Either way, it's just like, I don't want anybody in that receiving game until we see something different. Boyle is definitely a, he's a top five blocking tight end. So Boyle is a great a great tight end and a good asset. So I can see how they could, that could work. And then depending on who are the other players that are on the on the field at that time, you might not be getting a bunch of attention. So yeah, I think that we yeah we think we've got, we've done a, a lot with this game so far. Yeah. <laughs> <There it> is. <laughs> on the other side of the ball. Um, I really feel like Taylor kind of started started out the game like looking pretty good, and then he just he guaranteed himself a committee by fumbling the ball away, you know. And it really kind of sucks for anyone that is a like Taylor believer, truth or whatever you want to call it, um, because they really just might not trust him again at this point. Like it, it was kind of like okay, you really sucked last week. We blamed it on your ankle. He was on the injury report for one day, and then he, and then they take him off the injury report. He starts the game, he looks good, and then he fumbles the ball. And it's just like at this point, like how many more excuses can you make for the guy? That was a really bad fumble too. Really yeah. bad. It was almost as bad as uh, Rivers' tackle <laughs> or tackle attempt. Yeah, I, somebody posted that this is going to be burned in my memory banks, where he's just tripping over his own feet once the <laughs> once he realizes the other person's not making the tackle, he's like, I'm not making the tackle, so he just falls over. It was awesome. <laughs> now I know I, I had the take of like you can't trust any of these uh, Colts receivers, but you kind of had a different take. You you had a, a a guy that we talked about in the past, but uh, you're kind of bringing him back up. The more I watch him, I like Marcus Johnson. 
Rivers looks for him. He he runs the I don't want to say the money routes because I don't really think any Colts receivers do that, but he runs a lot of routes that 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 gain Philip Rivers' attention, and Philip Rivers takes shots to him, which is something to look look forward to. I I don't know. I just I'm not saying that, that you have to depend on him or anything like that, but I think he's a buy. I think I think that he is cheap enough, and there's not enough people paying attention to sneak him on your roster if possible, and then just look for a time when you might actually be able to use him. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look it up. Uh, to, yeah, I, I don't didn't have actually look at snap percentages, but I do know he had, I want to say he had the most targets, but it didn't actually matter because he only had like two catches. <laughs> it's kind of like what we were talking about with Jerry Judy before. It's like you can get all the targets in the world, but if you can't catch him, then, uh, you know, does it really matter? Well, a lot of that was predicated off of, off of Baltimore pressure too because if Rivers doesn't have a clean pocket after three steps, if it's a five-step drop, he's getting rid of it. So... There's there's times where Johnson hasn't even run his route yet, or you know Harris hasn't run his route yet, or Pittman hasn't run his route yet. So, yeah, I mean, obviously we know Baltimore's defense is good. Now he he had 89 percent of the snaps, um, and he had seven targets, two catches, and 14 yards. So <laughs> once again, not the greatest, but he is out there, and um, and you know he's probably going to be a cheap cheap, especially after a week like that. You know, people are going to ah, I'll drop him. I don't care. Yeah. Or, you know, three weeks I'll take ago a we used the pickup. Now he's not worth it. I'm gonna drop them. I would. Yep. I would be scooping them. Yeah, you gotta check your waivers. You know they're gonna be running on uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, whatever. And uh, you know somebody very well may drop him. Uh, next game was the Texans and the Jaguars, and I, I know this is gonna sound crazy because he's actually been performing, but sell Will Fuller. Um, that's all I have to say about that. Like he, they actually have a pretty tough schedule coming up for receivers, and all. I mean, he's really not getting enough targets to like keep this up. He scored a touchdown in every single game, like every single one of the last six or seven games, and that's obviously like you know boosting his points, um, boosting his scoring. But yeah, I just I don't trust it. Like he, he's only getting. I'd have to go back. I thought I wrote it down, but I he's only getting like six targets a game. And we kind of saw at the end of this one, if he doesn't get that bomb touchdown, then he has, what, like 40 yards, 30 yards, something like that. And, I mean, he did not have much. He he only ended up with four receptions as it was. Yeah, he had like 15 points on that touchdown. Exactly. And I think he only ended up with like 20 points or, you know, like 18 points or something like that. So, um, I just think, now they have a bye this week, right? I think. I'm pretty sure. I haven't looked forward yet. Um, nope, they just had their bye. Never mind. But so they have Cleveland this week, which is going to be pretty nice. But then, unless for whatever reason Ward covers them, um, but then after that they have New England, Detroit, Indy, Chicago, Indy again, and then they do have Cincinnati in Week 16, which is nice. But those, like, I don't want Chicago and Indy as uh, my week 14, week 15, you know, kind of players. And God only knows what Will Fuller is going to be next year or going forward. Like he, he's not under contract. We don't know if they're going to re-sign him. They're probably not because they're going to be basically wanting to rebuild and get cheaper and younger and all that kind of stuff. And we have no idea what, where Fuller is going to go, if he's going to be used right or, or anything like that. So if you're worried about the future, I wouldn't worry about it too much. We obviously know that he's had trouble staying healthy anyway, but 
at least for this year, it seems like if you're going for a championship run, it might be a good idea to to try and sell him off or something else. Yeah, I um I only have him in one spot, and that's where I am a, a pretty big contender. He he sits in a flex position, so I'm I'm most likely going to hold him as I've as I haven't gotten really any good offers for him. But I'm always for moving wide receivers that sit in the wide receiver twenty to thirty five range. If they spike, always move them, mm-hmm. or even even higher up than that too, because you have less of your just beast studs stud wide receivers. So. There could be the guy that's wide receiver 12 in, in Dynasty ranks four weeks ago. He spikes up to five. You might ship him off for the, the new 12 and then just kind of rotate the value. So anything that's like wide receiver 20 to wide receiver 35 or lower that spikes the value, I'm totally fine with selling every single time. Yeah, I'm not necessarily even saying like sell him and move back. I'm saying like sell him and move forward. You know, go. Oh, no, your, I your, agree. I'm just saying. Yeah, go get your, yourself like a top a top 10 receiver. Add a second on, add a first on, do whatever you have mm-hmm. to do and go get you like a real like top 10, top five receiver if you can. Um, like that's the way to do it for me. Um, Well, that's not bad, actually. You could get Julio. I don't mind it. I don't. I actually, I'd feel much, much more comfortable with that. And honestly, like, I feel like they have the, like the same amount of shelf life, you know, Fuller and Julio. <laughs> I know like age wise, it's not the same at all, but like, I, I, I wouldn't be counting on Fuller for longer than like a year or two anyway. So I, I kind of feel like they're about the same. Um, I'm sorry to say, but your Jordan Aikens dreams seem to be dead. Oh, I never uh, had them. Oh, I was, was it Darren saying- Fells? No, I was just saying you couldn't you couldn't predict the tight end in this offense. That's all I meant. I don't I don't dream of any of them. <laughs> um, and then on the other side of the ball, like I don't I don't know how much you watched of this game, but like I don't I don't really trust that Luton is actually a thing. But because obviously we know the Texans defense is really bad, um, but at least he made DJ Chark a thing again. And like if if we can't really truly trust him for anything, but we can trust it. Chark's going to get 12 targets a game or 10 targets a game or whatever. Like that still works out for me. Yeah. I, I'm going to be the one that always chases the targets, especially when it comes to wide receivers that should be the number ones in their offense. And I think it's clear that Chark is, as long as he actually gets catchable targets and targets that will produce value. I don't know the, the Jags seem to find, I don't want to say exciting, but, at least quarterbacks <laughs> to talk about compared to like the Redskins who can't seem to find any sort of any, any player that's not a wet blanket at the position. <laughs> yeah. And if you go back and look at, at Luton's um, like college production, he, he mm-hmm. really was a dink and dunk kind of uh, quarterback. And yet like they came out and even said before the game, like you, you they're going to be going down the field more often and everything. And of course he did with Chark. Um, and I think he even he threw one to a, another receiver, I can't remember who it was right now, but, uh, but I mean, maybe they just went up to him and were like, "Look, you're a six round pick. Like, don't don't go dink it down to James Robinson or like whatever. Like, show us what you can do. Get some excitement for the team. Like, we want to get fans in the stands. We want to get merchandise sold and like that kind of thing. And we we want to lose. So like, <laughs> just go out there and throw the ball. Yeah, go sling it. Have some fun." Exactly. And I don't know if Marone like ever gives that it ever gives that advice or that pep talk, but we'll see, <laughs> we'll see if anybody else in that organization does. That's true. I, I mean, we know that. I mean, maybe I don't know how much you know of the cons, but I could definitely see them like having that kind of talk with somebody, especially know, like, if hey. they're trying to drum up England England uh, excitement for the Jaguars. Right. 
Exactly. Like they, if the team's that bad, like people aren't going to be overly excited about a new team in London, you know, or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, like now, like we said, they did not dink and dunk as much, and so that did kind of hurt James Robinson as far as like the pass game go goes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he obviously he still produced. He still had a good game. He still got twenty five carries. But maybe it kind of lowers his floor and possibly even his ceiling if he's not going to have the eight, nine, ten targets that he was getting before with uh, with Minshew. Um, Absolutely, yeah. It just kind of drops in. Yeah, you're you're still gonna play him. You're still gonna start him. Like you're not doing anything with Robinson at this point, unless someone sends you like a Godfather offer or something. But I mean, it just just something to keep in mind. Like you know, we've seen he had a couple of those four games, but with the six receptions or whatever, it wasn't as bad as it as it could have been. Well, now if that's two receptions, you know that might not be the greatest week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, next game makes me sad. Panthers Chiefs. I, I don't know what else to say right now, but like Bridgewater doesn't have enough time t- to like let a play develop for DJ Moore's role to like really come to fruition because for whatever reason they said this guy that was amazing in the like short to intermediate role last year we're gonna take him and we're gonna make him the <laughs> the uh, deep down the field you know kind of uh, deep route kind of uh, wide receiver and it just blows my mind. Now we've seen when he gets the ball in his hands what he can do, but the problem is he's he's just not getting enough targets. And I hate to say it, but he, you know he's really he's really like a wide receiver two slash three at this point. You can't really trust him to be much more than that. And it, I hate it. <laughs> I googled Teddy's uh, the pronunciation of his last name, and it, it's it's a Teddy Bridge quarterback. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just making sure that we said that correctly on the podcast. Um, I trust Matt Rule. I expected, though, there to be more run elements in DJ Moore's game coming into the season. I thought they would utilize that and because he's usually pretty good at uh, mm. understanding his weapons and utilizing them and putting them in positions to, to to make plays. But I I don't trust the dink and dunk. I don't I don't know if it's a Teddy a, a Teddy judgment thing or if that's how he's being directed to play. But you're missing a lot of opportunity for big plays or at least. They stayed with the Chiefs, so that's something to look at. So yep. maybe the game plan was successful in how they they wanted to manage, the, you know, the scoring or at least the margin. But it's yeah, I was I'm a big believer of DJ. I I haven't really wavered because I don't think Teddy's going to be there very long. But you have to wonder what what the plan is when they have him not running the routes in which he was having success with last year. Or they're maybe expecting him to mold his game into this this new type of responsibility, and it's maybe he's struggling, or he's just not getting the looks, like you said, with the timing. So, I really think it's more the timing than anything. And, and even with Bridgewater, like I don't think that Bridgewater's bad or anything like that. He just doesn't have a lot of time. And of course, if you have somebody like CMC or even like Curtis Samuel, you know, with the speed that he has, right there, three yards down the field. Obviously, we've seen what Robbie Anderson has done. He's right there, you know, little screens and and slants and everything else. You're just going to throw it to them rather than throwing 30 yards down the field and hoping that DJ Moore can get under it. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's, it's just not. And like I said, they, it doesn't seem like they have enough time to do it, even if they wanted to, but for the future, like we know that they're going to have a good draft pick, you know, like they're maybe they're not going to be one, two, three, four or whatever, but they're going to be what top 10, top 15 at the very least. Um, yeah. So if they could, 
if they could go get themselves a center, a left tackle, something like that in the draft, mm-hmm. then then maybe you know. I still, I'm not, I'm, I'm never going to give up hope on, on DJ Moore. Like I love his talent too much to give up hope on him, but maybe this year is not going to be the, the dynasty wide receiver one that I, that I was hoping for, but for the future, if they can go get themselves an offensive lineman, you know, maybe we could get, get it then. We know that Dak is a see it throw at quarterback. I think Teddy might even be more of that as well than like a bigger portion of his throws are see it, throw it and not timing where, that I think that's why Robbie's having success underneath it, playing a lot of the possession roles when he does run those routes because mm. if he's open, he gets it because Teddy sees it and Teddy, Teddy throws it instead of trying to anticipate, you know, deep down the field or whatnot. Um, yeah, so I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm not a Teddy Bridgewater fan. I can understand he can <laughs> be can, good. For, I can tell. He can be good for <laughs> fantasy and if for giving you some sort of floor. But if you look, they he's the reason they've lost what the last four games that they've lost he's either thrown an interception on the last drive or her hasn't been able to keep up with the other offenses. So just, I don't know. I, I, I believe in the, in the weapons in the offense. I just don't believe in the quarterback. That's fine. And it's not like he's been amazing. Uh, I just, I'm thinking like if they were trying to rebuild and get better, I don't know if he would be the first one I'd be looking at to get rid of or anything no. like that. I would, I'd be looking at other things trying to fix it before I'd worry about Bridgewater. No, you got to find um, the right guy to replace him if you're going to replace him. And I don't think they've identified that, that guy yet. Exactly. Um, McCaffrey looked healthy, which is good to see. Obviously he got hurt again and we don't know how long he's going to be out, but at least the ankle looked good. Um, that gives you some, some hope because we know last year with Barkley and Kamara coming back off of their uh, high ankle sprains, they really weren't the same player, at least for a while. But we now, they obviously held McCaffrey out for a pretty long time, and so maybe that helped. They didn't rush him back. But <laughs> um, Mega says, Reaper going to reap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, damn, damn you, Aaron, every time. But, uh, you know, like, hopefully he's not going to be out too much or, or for too long again. But it, like I said, at least he looked he- looked healthy, and obviously we know Bridgewater was uh, targeting him early and often. I think he's day to day right now. He didn't look too bothered, like even sitting on the sidelines or even stuff after the game. So I don't I don't expect it to be bad unless they get some sort of test that says otherwise and that makes him react to it. Yeah, I mean everything I've read is basically like it could be just a pain tolerance thing, or it could be like a week or two. Like not, it's not going to be like he's going to be out until the playoffs or anything like that. Um, on the other side of the ball, I didn't really have a lot to take away. Obviously, we know Kelsey's the man. We know Tyreek's the man. We know Mahomes is the man. But I guess I did have one takeaway, and it was kind of like the Chiefs need to figure out a, a run game plan if they really want to repeat as champs. I don't think we've seen it even, you know, with the Panthers. Like, they they went down early, and so, of course, like, that's not going to help with them running the ball or anything like that. But, I mean... They almost lost this game. They lost earlier in the season to the the Raiders, um, and then we've seen them like against the Bills, and they run all over them. And you know it looks good. It looks like a complete team. I feel like they need to get to that complete team to be that complete team for the playoffs and and for the Super Bowl again. And I mean, yes, this is me being biased as a uh, Ceh owner, but <laughs> at the same time, like I just even just as a fan or just watching the game, I feel like they're like they shouldn't have to throw the ball fifty times to stay in the game with the Panthers. Like they they should be trying to slow down the game a little bit and actually you know run the ball. <laughs> I had the same same position as you, but I I want to expand it to certain parts of the field. 
Mm. Like they don't seem to have the ability to attack the flats like they did uh, last year. Like as much as I think Damian Williams is kind of average, he was explosive in those areas of the field and he would keep the offense on schedule or bust a big play, which would do wonders for their ability to have to come up and defend that area, which would help the back end with Tyreek because we've known, even though Tyreek has produced this year, he hasn't produced at what we would expect to be Tyreek levels or even exciting plays of production. He hasn't had those, those really monster repeatedly repeated monster plays in games. And I think that's an element of it. So it could be the run underneath where they, they have to, you know, pull the linebackers up and run, or it could just be the element of just even the, the flat passes and stuff that we, Come have become used to seeing Damian Williams run, which is just interesting because I'm not a, I never I thought he was such a jag, and then you see the element missing, like you're saying. Yeah, it just doesn't it doesn't feel right. Like it it, it feels like that the offense as a whole should be better than what it is mm-hmm. for the pe the the pieces that they have, you know. And so, I don't know. I'm just I'm trying to think ahead now that we're like halfway through the season of like getting into the playoffs and like what these teams need and it just seems like they need a running game. They're they're pretty good in just about everywhere else. Like their defense is playing well, Mahomes is playing well, Tyreek, Kelsey, like they're all playing well. Now, Hardman's never going to be a thing if people thought that he was going to be a thing. Like as long as Tyreek is there, Hardman is not a thing. Uh, sorry if that's like a surprise to people, but <laughs> uh, yeah, just give up hopes on that one. Though you could buy Demarcus Robinson, <laughs> you could because <laughs> he's on the I final mean, year of his deal. That he's he's been getting targets. He's been scoring a decent number of points for a flex position. If you if you're looking for something of that of that nature, but he also could be something next year that really pops. Yeah, and that's another one that you know people might just drop at some point, and mm-hmm. you know just pick him up and and throw him throw him in your uh, like in the back end of your roster. Mm-hmm. All right, next game: Lions and the Vikings. All right. Once again, this is going to sound crazy. People are going to laugh. Sell Dalvin Cook. Just do it. Now, this is one where <laughs> it does sound crazy, like with what he's done. But we see how quickly things change. You know, the beginning of the season, it was all CMC. CMC is the best running back in the league. And then he gets hurt. And then Kamara blows up for the first few weeks. And then it's like, Kamara is the best running back in the league. And people are losing their minds about him. Then he has a couple lesser games. Now, Cook blows up for two weeks. And, I mean, I've heard probably five pods in the past couple days talking about how is Cook the new number one running back in Dynasty and stuff like that. Yes, he has had two amazing games. Yes, they have been against two of the worst defense run defenses in the league. But even more importantly, for this season at least, he plays Tampa Bay, Chicago, and New Orleans in weeks 14, 15, and 16 in the playoffs. That is not good for your uh, fantasy playoffs. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to produce at all, but I mean, we know how Tampa Bay has basically shut down the majority of running backs. Um, And then, you know, Chicago just shut down uh, uh, Derrick Henry. He only had, had 21 rushes for, what, 65 yards, something around there. And and we know what Derrick Henry can do with the ball. And then, you know, New Orleans just shut down the entire Bucks run defense or, or run game, I mean. And it just we already know what Dalvin Cook's injury history is and like, you know, that he could obviously get hurt at any moment. And we've seen it this season already. But I feel like he had kind of like a two week bye with the injury and a bye week. 
he came out fresh and healthy. He had two really good matchups, and now he's going to go through and have a really bad matchup like schedule through the rest of the season. And maybe you're going to be like, damn, I should have sold him when I had the chance, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, what do you sell him for is the question. Because I think that's that's even more important for what you and your trading partner view uh, Delvin's value at. Obviously, you were selling him high. But you have to replace that production. Now, I think of course, I think most people that are talking very highly of Delvin are the ones that are winning with Delvin. Because if you were losing with Delvin, it would be such an easy sell. You wouldn't even look back. So I'm, I'm with you. I think it's a sell. I just think you have to make sure you, d- depending on what your team is doing, you have to kind of match that. The thing is, he, he looks like he does so many things so easily and with such ease against NFL defenses. But you can't trust a Kirk Cousins-led offense right now to be consistent enough where he scores touchdowns. No. And, and I mean, once I know Madison came in a couple weeks ago when Cook was out and did not look very good. But we saw once again in this game that Madison came in and looked almost as good as, as Dalvin. Now, obviously, he didn't have as many touches, but you know he, he, he still had a really high yards per carry. He still looked really good. He's breaking off 20-yard runs and mm-hmm. stuff. And... Um, I just think you have to realize that matchups do make a difference. It's the reason why, you know, like I said, Derrick Henry just just got 60 yards in a game, whereas two weeks ago he had 250 total yards. You know, I think, it just he, had, I think he had like 285. Happen. Didn't he have like 285 versus Houston? It, it, it was around there. It was a lot. Of, mm-hmm. It was a lot of yards. But I'm just, you know, basically saying like, look, two weeks ago Derrick Henry was doing this, and now look what he's doing now. And guess what? Chicago is one of those teams that. Dalvin Cook's going to be facing. Um, does it mean like, look, once again, don't don't sell him for nothing. Don't sell him like I'm not saying just get rid of him, but you could probably get like a, at least a good running back and a great wide receiver at this point, like or, or some something like that. Like obviously, everyone kind of has those pieces that they need to, to fill in their team right now with injuries and bye weeks, and you could probably fill those pieces pretty easily with Dalvin. That's going to take the right trade. It's going to take the right owner, but. Definitely worth uh you know putting out there like hey guys uh anybody want this the best running back ever? <laughs> uh, on the other side of the ball, or actually no, <laughs> on the same side of the ball. <laughs> I this is more about me than anything else, but I should have sold Justin Jefferson a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I I kind of had the like the doubt in my mind. I'm like, man, I don't want to trust this. Like, I like Jefferson's talent, but I don't want to trust Kirk Cousins. I don't want to trust this offense. But he was looking so good, and people were talking about him being a top five dynasty wide receiver and all this. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should hold on. And I did. Now I never got any like great offers, so like obviously that that helps. But I'm I'm just wondering if I lost my chance, or maybe he'll have another big blow up game. But it just seems like. I, I could have gotten out you know pretty high at that point. The thing with Jefferson is the threat is there for him to score. Now, I know what I just said about a Kirk Cousins-led offense, but we're talking dynasty versus selling high on Delvin. He nearly had one, and there were some other plays in which if they connected, and I think it would be a, a, even different too if they were down in this game, but they... <laughs> Detroit are are they just already rolling over and dying? I don't I don't understand. They went from a four and four team that was competing to a team that never doesn't even seem that they want to compete most weeks. 
Yeah, it's it's not looking good. I mean, maybe it is good for them, but <laughs> like for the future, but it's not mm -hmm. it's not looking good at all. And uh, it's not looking good for Stafford's future, especially with uh, like how much they owe him, how much money they owe him. And, and I think like his cap hit isn't that high, uh, if I remember correctly, next year. I, I could be wrong about that. But I'm going to check real quick. Yeah, I, I know. I know that was what was hindering a trade this season because his cap hit was really high, but I was thinking that maybe they could move on from him next season. Uh, like I said, I could be wrong. Well, While who would want to see up, him actually play in a, uh, a team that wants to win too? Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I, I, I just don't trust anyone besides uh, TJ Hawkinson, uh, like, while, especially while Chase Daniels is in there. But, I mean, even when uh, Stafford was in there, like Marvin Jones scored a touchdown, which is great. Uh, Danny Amendola had 10 targets, but before this week, he'd only seen like four or five targets a game. You know, I just, I, I really don't want to trust anyone, uh, like I said, besides Hawkinson. And then as far as the run game goes, like AP is not going anywhere, clearly. We were kind of, that was another one we were kind of hoping after the bye week, we were going to see more of a, of a split or less of a split and, you know, more of a workhorse kind of role for Swift. And like he did lead and carries and touches and everything in, in the, in the game. But I swear every time I looked up, it was AP, it was carry on. And it doesn't a hundred percent show up in the, in the box score or like, you know, the actual stats and the touches, but it's still, it's definitely still like a 60, 40 split kind of deal. And on a bad offense, do you really want a 60, 40 split? <laughs> You and I, like I said, we both we're both on the Hawkinson train. Seeing carry on in there just like breaks my soul because he's thirty three and Swift is thirty two, and I'm like, oh, oh, never mind. Yep. yep. And I don't really like. They don't. Neither of the other backs have the pop that Swift does, so it's like let him get <laughs> the ball more. Like Jesus, let him do some stuff with it. But at this point, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's. I don't know. I, I love Swift, and I, I want him to be someone I can play every week, and he's giving me decent enough points over most replacements that you're most likely going to play him unless you have studs coming back or whatnot. So you kind of, in some situations, you may just have to you know grin and bear it, but most situations, until they figure out that, that carry-on Johnson is not someone they should be taking carries away from Swift, you kind of got to be a little bit... Uh, uh, what did I say? Walking on eggshells with your your movements of your your lineups. All right. So you want to know how bad we are at this? We're seven games in, and we're fifty four minutes and twenty seconds into the into the podcast or into the live stream. Oh my god! <laughs> All right. You think we can do rapid fire? Oh, let's do rapid fire. Okay. Last All thing. Right. Um, uh, the Stafford contract. They save ten million if they cut him next year outright, but it's still twenty four million dead cap. Oh, okay. It was All 47 right, and a half this year. Bears Titans. Um Mooney is becoming Foles' favorite option like the past few weeks, but he can't get the ball to him, so does it really matter? Uh two weeks in a row of Anthony Miller having a role, which is I guess nice to see, but at the same time you really don't with the offense as bad as it is, you don't really want to see it getting more congested. And then Nick Foles sucks. Like he just sucks so bad. <laughs> and um, <laughs> on the other side of the ball, 
Tannehill's magic might be wearing off. Like he he started off pretty hot, like the first few weeks of the season, and yet like we've seen three weeks in a row. Obviously, the the Bears are a tough defense, but we've seen three weeks in a row where he's kind of falling off with his efficiency, and it's that's not going to be good if for AJ Brown or Corey Davis or Johnny Smith's like owners, like anybody really on that team, if that efficiency does get lost, because then it's going to be like, who has the good week, which we saw this week. Like it was okay. AJ Brown had the good week. Now next week it'll be Corey. And the next week it'll be Johnny. And you're sitting there going, Oh God, who is it this week? I think that has to do with the teams that they're playing. Um, if they get in a shootouts, obviously it's a little bit easier to stomach. But like the the Bears were never going to challenge them in this game. They never felt like they had to outrace them. Uh, the Bengals are probably surprising, but they they seem to have played pretty well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off. But their schedule doesn't really get there. It gets easier later. But these next three weeks are Colts, Ravens, Colts. So that'd be something to pay attention to. But then it, it opens up with Browns, Jags, Lions, Packers, Texans. So that should be yeah the a playoffs bit more, more to stomach. The playoffs are really nice, but the next few weeks are pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington football team, Giants, like what are the odds of that injury happening to the – oh, my God. I I can't believe it. And then to come into that game, Alex Smith to come into that game after that happened, I, I don't know if I'd had the balls to do it really. <laughs> I really don't. And then um, we've said it – we said it weeks and weeks and weeks ago, but go trade for J.D. McKissick if you haven't already. Like hopefully you've been listening to us and you already did, but – it, with Alex Smith in there, he is going to catch twenty balls a game. <laughs> like it's it's kind of crazy, but like you are going to see him have like true actual value. And he was a smidge away from a touchdown. He stepped out of bounds, a smidge. Yep. yep. I mean, but yeah, with with that amount of targets, it's not going to matter if he scores a touchdown anyway. You know, he still had like what seventeen points or something like that. Yeah, and um, could have had more if he doesn't tip up the last interception too. The, the yep. Redskins wide receivers were also running wide open on this team, on the on the Giants, who played pretty good defense last week. So I don't know if they just, they're young or if they, they don't have a good game plan, but wide open wide receivers. Alex Smith had over 300 yards in just over a half. Yep. Uh, oh. Don't trust anybody on the Giants. That's all I have to say. Uh, <laughs> Raiders Chargers. I keep waiting for Carr to be benched, but he always does just enough. Like right at the end of the game or something, like feel like he's keeping his job. I mean, at least the past couple weeks. Like obviously, he looked pretty good in the beginning of the year, but the past few weeks, it's been like, okay, he's gonna get benched at halftime, (laughs) and then, and then like they let him come out, and it was like a tale of two halves this week, especially, and it's kind of leading the same thing. Like you can only trust Darren Waller at this point. I don't trust anyone else on that offense. Um, You know, like even Aguilar. He disappeared last week, and I don't want to be trusting the the deep threat from Derek Carr. Sorry. Until Derek Carr, my my position on Derek Carr is until he stops being accurate with his deep balls, just deep, not just they don't have to be um, zooming down the 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 field and running wide open to catch a touchdown. But if he's accurate deep, he keeps the job. Once he stops being accurate deep, they're going to switch to Marcus because. They're going to have that ability to suck more defenders up, run some more underneath stuff with with rugs. Hopefully, um, Edwards is back by that time. We'll see. But yeah, Waller's Waller's it. I I'm a little bit mixed on Aguilar. I've always been a fan. His hands have been questionable. I'm okay with him missing one week of like really good production. 
where if you have him and you don't have a bunch of other options, don't don't try to get creative on the waiver wire. Play him until until it's been a consistent two weeks or an extra week or whatever that he hasn't produced. Uh, on the other side of the ball, what more can Herbert do to win games? I, I don't know. But also, like, how much fun is next week going to be? Because it's like, not only is it like a, a true test of Herbert because of going up against the Dolphins' defense, but it's going to be Herbert and Tua. And that's that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And then, Kalen Balazs is good? <laughs> As a Chargers fan, I don't know what to believe. <laughs> I don't. And I, he's, at the very that, least, he's better than Joshua Kelly, right? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yeah, we've talked about Kelly at length on this, so I don't really want to get too too much into it. But if he shows explosive, explosion, if he shows he's explosive and enough explosion to where he can keep the, the job and you know get the running game kicked and jump started, then I don't see how he can't keep it. He's you know six two, uh, what two twenty, and he runs like a four four. So we should, he should be prototypical. And if maybe Herbert's able to, to I don't know, be his uh, his tamer. And it just works. I'm, I'm okay with it. But the Chargers always seem to fabricate new ways to lose ball games. We've we've realized this as fans over the years, and I think they've lost by one, two, three, five, and seven points this year. I believe that's what it is. It's crazy, and and they they were so close, so close. Uh, Dolphins Cardinals. Tua looked a lot better. We were talking last week how he, you know, didn't look that great, but we were giving him a pass because it was his first week against the the Rams defense and and everything. Um, he looked a lot better this week. Although the Cardinals were, were missing a couple of key players on defense, so maybe it's not like as amazing as it seems, but it's still, it's still you know hopeful. And then Tua and Preston kind of se- Preston Williams kind of seemed to be like you know building some rapport uh, before Williams got hurt. Now of course we he's probably going to miss at least a couple weeks, at least a game or two. Uh, so who knows? But he he really he seemed to be targeting him. And with like young quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, or even just new quarterbacks, you never really know who they're going to like latch on to. And it could have been Williams, and so it might be like a, a time to go buy low on Williams if you can. Yeah, the the Cardinals seem to play really soft underneath for some reason. I don't know why, which kind of assisted with with uh, tool success. But he was very creative when the, when the rush got to him to either get out or um, kind of work through progressions a little bit faster. Or once he's done with progressions, this is the thing that both these quarterbacks do really well. I think uh, the most underrated part about Murray is his, his ability to get through progressions and make the right decision, or extend the play and find then the next play. Where Tua seems to be comfortable as long as he's in it within the timing of the offense, whether that's a rollout uh, to find his guy where he, it's planned rollout where he's, he's got his steps down or if it's a deeper drop or if it's a shorter drop, he knows how to get out of those drops and find his reads. Um, yeah. Preston, I think this was already considered a lost year for him by many just because of the ACL last year. So any bonus you get this year to have a little bit more faith in the next year is big. So hopefully he gets back to keep continue to build that rapport. Um, I think this this Dolphins defense is really physical, and it's I think it's a good test. I know that they gave up a lot of points, but that's because that's because Murray's good. Like that's not anything yeah. besides that. Um, yeah. uh, he he dictates coverage. Uh, that you you obviously want to do as much as you can to stop his running ability, but you also have to cover the receivers. And he picks apart one on one, and he gets through. He gets through his progressions. That's so huge. 
Yeah, and last thing with the Dolphins. Uh, sorry, Crescent Patrick Laird will never be a thing. <laughs> Our Laird um, and Savior. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> uh, we, you know, my thoughts on Kyler. DeAndre Hopkins had a bunch of plays nullified by penalties, so I wouldn't trust the box score on this one. Um, obviously, I don't think anyone's like going out of their way to be like, "Oh, Kirk's a new one" or anything like that, but. Um, it definitely could have been a pretty good game at the very least for Hopkins. And yet he had like what, four defensive pass interference plays uh, that, that right there could have been an extra 40, 50, 60 yards even. Well, I think two of them were like 25 yards downfield too. Right. So. Yeah. And then don't give up on Edmonds. I know it wasn't a great game, but we've already talked the past two weeks. We talked about how legit the Dolphins defense is. And uh, you know, I think it showed up here. So if people are like up, oh, it's just Drake all over again. This offense, I actually, I've heard it on a, on a couple pods today. Like, oh, it's just this offense. They can't run the ball. Yeah, go buy admins if you if you can. It was literally <laughs> my number one note that I didn't even read. I literally didn't read my number one note, which is don't worry about admins. Don't freak out about admins. <laughs> all right, Steelers Cowboys. Woo, this game was weird and ugly and had a little bit of everything, uh, but. Like Gilbert showed us that not everything is lost in Dallas, which was nice because it felt like we lost an entire team's worth of players, uh, fantasy players. And so maybe it's not quite as like dreadful as we thought it was going to be. And obviously they have the buy that's going to get them a little healthier. Uh, you know, Dalton can come back. I, I keep hearing people talking about Gilbert, Gilbert, Gilbert. Like, I don't think Gilbert's going to be the quarterback after the bye. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Andy Dalton. Like, I know he was put on the COVID list. So, obviously, if he is actually sick, then, you know, maybe that's different. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, we've seen the majority of these players be on the COVID list for a week or two and then come back and, and you know, be fine. So, I'm expecting it to be Andy Dalton. I'm expecting Andy Dalton to be better with, you know, like with getting their center back, with getting their left guard back, hopefully. Um, you know, if if they can get some of those pieces back, then it'll actually be okay. And then on the other side of the ball, James Conner might be losing his role as the workhorse. And, you know, like we, we've seen it a couple times, but this one just seems like a little different. Like it's, it's almost like they're trying out, you know, they're, they're, they're trying out pieces here. Okay. Here's a little snow. Oh, here's a little Benjamin, you know, like a, a little bit of, a little bit of everything. Not McFarland. Uh, McFarland. McFarland. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, and then Big's been inability, Big Ben's inability to throw down the field is really starting to show up. And I know he hurt his knee in this one, and, and so that probably didn't help. But, I mean, we've also seen he's really truly become like a dink and dunk cutting guy. And once again, thinking forward, I, I feel like they need to do, get something going besides a little dink and dunk if they really want to, um, you know, like really progress into the playoffs and, and everything. Because, yes, their defense is really good, but... We've seen you most of the time. You have to have much more than than just a good defense to to really make it somewhere in the playoffs. I think they took some shots, but they didn't connect on them. Uh, a couple were right. to uh, Claypool. Were I think it was more or less hoping for a penalty because they were they weren't really catchable. They were kind of three or four yards past where Claypool could even made a play. Where we talked last week or a couple weeks ago, where Claypool presents a very nice target that's large and it's safe. So I'm not sure that that there was even attempted at being completions. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's just trying to keep uh, Connor fresh, but it is, it is nice seeing actual rookie running backs get a little bit of, of run because we wanted to see what McFarland had. Wasn't great this week. 
But Dallas looked inspired this week, which is very interesting because they haven't they haven't defended the run all, all year like that, and yeah. you know they haven't they haven't been completely healthy all year either. So it's not like they're you know they're just gelling as a unit. So right, uh, Gilbert, uh, I, I, he was on the Browns for a while, you know SMU, Texas, all that stuff, but it, he didn't. He did, basically he by by just not committing turnovers and not curling up into a ball in the pocket did better than Danucci, but he didn't really play like an NFL esque game. Did he make good decisions? Right. Yes. You know, he stepped up in the pocket. The pressure didn't bother him, which is big, but it wasn't a game where like you're, you're unseating the quarterback that was there prior. He may have a shorter no. leash. Dalton might have a shorter leash, but it's, he, he didn't play better. Obviously there were games where Dalton looked poor, but that could have just been the amount of time that he had practicing with the other players. So, yeah, and real quick, I saw something on Twitter earlier today, and it was saying um, Chase Claypool's last 24 targets have come up with like 106 yards total. Like he he's caught 106 yards on the last 24 targets. Yeah, I Juju can't find air yards. Right, yeah. I don't know if that's an indictment on Claypool, Big Ben, or both, but uh, that's definitely not anything you really want to see from a receiver. 24 targets and 106 yards, that's uh, not great. The last game, I don't even know if there's that much to take away from it. The Saints and the Bucks, ugly, ugly, ugly game. Well, if you're a Bucks fan, <laughs> for for everyone else, or for Saints fans, you're like, okay, I, I can deal with this. But I think like there was really two big takeaways for me. A, it was Kamara's first game with everyone back on the field because you know they were missing obviously uh, Thomas Sanders. Uh, I think Cook missed a week or two earlier in the season like they it's kind of been like a revolving door and everyone was on the field this week and it was his worst game now it was not terrible he, i think he had 15 ppr points um you're obviously perfectly fine with that but i think this is kind of what i was wondering with sanders being there with Taysom hill taking a little bit you know more of a role with thomas being there with the you know even with the traquan smith kind of taking a bigger role at, at times is Kamara going to be that like 31 point a week kind of guy, something around there, 35 points, whatever, because like they have so many options and breeze threw the ball to like 12 different guys in this game and it worked. I mean, they dominated. So why would they go away from that? It's just a thought. It's just one game, but it's just kind of going in mind with like my preseason idea of what Kamara's role would be. And so like I said, maybe it's just me tuning my own horn after one game, and I probably shouldn't do that, but it's just something to keep an eye on. I think that the Saints def- or the Saints team will look much different when they're in games they have to compete because that's when Kamara really gets involved. So if you're a Kamara owner, you're rooting for the games to be close. Right. Uh, I, I believe, though, if this, this, this game was were closer, uh, other players would have you know produced, like Thomas didn't really do much. Cook... I don't know what he was doing when he had opportunity to score touchdowns. So the <laughs> you know the games could have been over quicker, and they could have been playing you know a lot more Latavius or even whoever else they want to play. That isn't going to be of a concern if they get injured. But yeah, I don't really have much to take away from this game besides Jamel Dean needs to start playing cornerback again. Otherwise, he's he, you're you're the one weak spot. I shouldn't say one, but you're, you're the prevalent weak spot on um, a defense that has proven to be quite good this year you are going to get attacked a lot week after week after week 
And it's weird because he was playing so well in the beginning of the year. I don't know like what happened if he's hurt or what, but um, yeah, there's not a lot to take away from the Bucks side of the ball. They, they really didn't even have the ball all no. that much. Um, but it was at least like percentages wise, it was kind of ugly for the wide receivers. If that's what it's going to be, unless they're going to be throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game, it was basically like a three-way split for targets between Evans, Godwin, and uh, AB. And although I think AB led in air yards, but you know we also know he had that one big play where you know on the interception where um, you know, he he ran the wrong wrong route and everything. And mm-hmm. so I just I don't know. It, it it could actually end up hurting the the Bucks players, Godwin and Evans, and, and even AB. It could hurt them more. Than if you know, say AB was with the Seahawks or with a you know different team, maybe not the Seahawks, but like with a different team. My exact takeaway: Now AB looked good as an athlete yesterday, but is AB going to set this offense backwards because of his lack of connection with Tom Brady? Because it it could be a key third down, it could be a key second down, it could be a turnover, whatever doesn't keep the offense moving forward, and then they have to change whatever the game plan is. It could be a problem. Now, does AB have the ceiling of a, a wide receiver one? Absolutely. Uh, week to week, I'm not saying season-wide because I just don't think that's predictable enough to even you know, no. put the flag in it. But, yeah, that's, that should be a big concern for a lot of people because you know Brady has to trust you to throw the ball, and if you have a nullified option out there because Brady doesn't trust him, that's a problem. I agree. And once again, one game. Uh, his first game and everything, but uh, not great to see. And uh, I would, I would like to see like my Evans and Godwin shares and my Fournette shares would would much rather see like an actual good offense than even like AB taking over and doing anything. I don't care. Like send them back if this is what it's going to be. You know? And James, I got one for you. I played Tom Brady in a league this week that got me negative six, and you know who I sat? Drew Brees. Oh, yeah, that one hurts. That one hurts. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't the greatest week for me either. Although it was weird. The the games that I lost this week were games that, like, I'm in first place. And so I could afford to lose. Even though you never want to lose. But, like, I could afford to lose. I'm in, like, first or second place. The games that I ended up winning were the games that I needed wins. Like, I had to win. Like, that kind of thing. So it actually kind of worked out. But I guess that also kind of shows you what kind of week it was, too. <laughs> Uh, but all right, we did a decent job of, of, uh, you know, getting through the last few games. So I I guess we're, we're not in trouble here, but, (laughs) but next week we're going to actually start on time and we're going to get finished on time. I promise. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was the right response. (laughs) All right, Tim. Thanks, bud. We're going to go watch some football and, uh, till then cashing out.